host, Michelle Luevano of Sharing Sweat Equity, a business podcast produced by the El Paso Hispanic Chamber of Commerce and the Minority Women's Enterprise Diversity Center. We have a wonderful guest with us today. The one and only El Paso Mayor Dee Margo is here with us answering questions live and letting us know what the future holds for El Paso past COVID-19. Before we get into our conversation with the mayor, we want to thank our partners, Sun Carpets, who provided the insulation for our recording studio, and of course, Epicenter. If you are looking for commercial real estate in the El Paso area, make sure to give Epicenter a call. Before we get started, how are you doing and how is your family doing? Oh, we're doing all right. It's a little, uh, a little strenuous. I'm kind of getting hammered on both sides, from the physical health to the financial health side, but we're, we're fine. So I want to go ahead and kick off this conversation by asking you about the governor's directives regarding the reopening of the state of Texas and really what impact those directives have had on the directives that we are issuing as a city. Well, let me preface it by here's the moral dilemma, the unequal balancing act that we're dealing with here in, in, in El Paso and throughout the state and every mayor and county judge is. I mean, we're dealing with our physical health on one side financial health on the other side of the equation and in between I consider the bridge being our mental health. If your physical health is in is in bad shape or you're concerned or, or fearful then that's going to affect your mental health and if you're out of work or struggling or trying to pay those bills etc then your mental health is going to be, be dealt with negatively because of the financial situation. I've about reached the point that uh, well number one is our physical health, I'm beginning to believe that our financial health is about to exceed, that the, the downside on our financial health is about to exceed the downside on our physical health, if in fact we'll control our gatherings and wearing face coverings and those kinds of things. But the, uh, the new directives that the governor came out with, which were a bit of a surprise to a lot of people, talked about, and we, and, uh, we will be signing an amendment to our directive today, I say we, Judge Samaniego and I will be signing an amendment to our directives to correspond with the governor's directives that he announced on, uh, on, uh, on the 5th. Mm -hmm. He said the, uh, he said funerals, memorials and burials and weddings are to be treated the same as church services with limited seating arrangements. Uh, the 25% total listed occupancy requirement will not apply to outdoor restaurant seating areas. He said, effective tomorrow, cosmetology salons, tanning salons, and barbershops can open with certain limitations, such as one customer per stylist, and the waiting area must ensure six feet of social distancing. He said, effective May the 18th, gyms and exercise facilities can open with 25% capacity with, with the indoor gym component and other limitations, while wearing gloves, no showers and locker rooms and equipment must be disinfected after each use. He made no action on bars. And he said on May the 18th, non-essential manufacturers can open with 25% occupancy and they can institute staggered work shifts to accomplish this with other limitations. And that's kind of a general summation of, of what, what his amendments are doing. We were kind of surprised because it came out he talked about coming out on the 14th with uh, new announcements and uh, he jumped the gun this week. But my position is we will open the, the economy as fast and as furiously as the governor allows us to, uh, pending any health spikes. And my concern is 
is Mother's Day. My concern is Mother's Day this Sunday, which is, occurs in the United States and at the same time in Mexico. And I want to do all we can, we want to do all we can to discourage people from going to Juarez on Mother's Day. Um, there's still a high uh, volatility over there on contraction and, um, and a significant death rate. So we want to avoid that. Um, if we're going to open our economy more so, and the governor allow us to do that, then if there, he has stated at the end of his press conference on Tuesday that if he saw significant spikes in different parts of Texas, that he would address those, those separate areas differently, which means we might go backwards. And as I stated in my opening remarks, I'm very concerned about our economy right here. And that's one of the reasons I put the Economic Recovery Task Force together, of which you all are participants. Yes, and, and thank you for your leadership on that, Mayor. And I think it is so important to encourage people to stay home, especially this weekend, during a time where social gatherings and getting together would have been very popular. We really don't want to go backwards, and those businesses that have been allowed to reopen and start functioning again have to get closed again. People have to go back on unemployment. We really want to move forward rather than backwards. Amen. So I do want to ask you, as we've begun to reopen, has there been an increase in people looking at getting tested? Have we seen spikes in that? And how is El Paso doing in terms of actually meeting our demand for the testing? The, the demand has been met. The CDC provides us plenty of uh, reagent. And uh, I visited the mobile test site facility yesterday. We're going to be setting up five more test site facilities next week, uh, manned by the National Guard. They're going to be in San, San Elizario, Horizon, uh, Fabens, uh, Montana Vista, and Vinton Anthony area. And they'll, they're all being set up. They'll be going uh, there. Uh, we are testing. We're doing the serum antibody testing on first responders and medical personnel. And then we'll try to expand that. As of, um, and I got the numbers two days ago. We had done about 10,226 tests, and that includes public health and the private labs, with one exception. One of our private labs, LabCorp, only refers the, the, the information to the state and to the federal government. And I've asked the governor to, to intervene to ask them to please provide us with their testing information for El Paso so we have a better number on that. But as I continue to tell people, if you want to know where we are, you look at the hospitalizations, mm -hmm. the ICUs, and the ventilator usage. And that's what I look at every day for spikes. We did have some spikes after Easter. I asked our, we're, we're doing that contact testing. We got 130 people doing uh, contact testing, um, uh, contact uh, uh, investigations with, with individuals who test positive to find out where they were, who they had contact with, whatever whatever we need to do. And on that, uh, we were trying to get more data as to, could we determine how many positives were as a result of the Easter holiday? Mm -hmm. And what we've discovered is we get some sheepish answers and people really don't want to admit it was at an Easter gathering with their family. And so we're getting kind of a evasive answers. Well, yeah, but maybe not, blah, blah. They won't, they won't disclose completely out of, probably embarrassment, 
But the point is that we've got to avoid large gatherings. You've got to wear face coverings. You've got to wash your hands frequently. And uh, while uh, those are mandated, they're not, there's not an enforceable mandate and, uh, from a legal standpoint. It's just uh, we hope peer pressure and other things. So I do have another question for you. Looking towards the future of El Paso, one of the discussions that a lot of people have been having is that we should see a decline in the number of cases over the summer months, but that in the fall we'll possibly see another resurgence and another spike in cases. So is El Paso preparing for that potential spike in cases in the fall? And if so, what are we doing to start putting those preparations into place now? That's the same information I read, whether or not it's uh, going to happen or not, we're not sure. We have to rely on our uh, health department for input on that. They rely on what the state provides and what CDC provides. Uh, to my knowledge, that we would be, the big issues are what's your hospital capacity, what's your ventilator capacity, and, and what's your ICU room capacity. Mm -hmm. we, that's what you've got to monitor if in fact there is a, uh, um, a spike, um, but we're not sure yet either. Uh, again, that's there are certain hypotheses. People look at Singapore and say they have a resurgence. I don't know. People also look at Denmark and Sweden. I've been reading about that. Sweden didn't really shut down. Denmark did, and their outcomes are about the same as far as positives and uh, and uh, those kinds of things and deaths, etc. So I don't know that anybody has their hands around this completely at all. We'll do what we need to do. We'll follow CDC guidelines. We're testing as many people as want to be tested. Um, uh, you no longer have to be uh, uh, go to a physician and require it. You just have to make an appointment and do it. Mm -hmm. So I don't think there's any limitation. When I went through the, the mobile test site facility yesterday, I said, oh, we made, are there any limitations? Are we have any constrictions? They're going from seven to five. And they said no. And they did something like 300. And the day before yesterday, they had their largest number was, uh, my recollection was over 300 were tested that one day. We're trying to get up to over a thousand a day being tested here locally. Mm -hmm. I know that's a discussion that's out there all the time, but as far as I can tell, we, we've got all the supplies we need and all the facilities that once they're up and running that we'll need to, to test as many people as we can. Um, the back and forth related to the serum test, the antibody test, uh, you know, I don't know the, the, the medical protocols that well, how often, how, how frequently or other. Um, and I really haven't discussed it with uh, Dr. Ocaranza and the health department yet. As we go through our daily, uh, I have my, what I call my daily war room call at four o'clock every afternoon with updates on where we are and, and any hot spots and, and any changes. And I know that when we get to the audience questions, we have been emailed some questions about the antibody testing and the availability of that. But my next question is focusing again on the future of El Paso. With the, with the pandemic, how is that going to impact the design and implementation of quality of life bond projects and some of the other city projects that are coming up? Are some of the designs going to need to take into account social distancing? Because I think we're going to have a new normal when it comes to public gatherings and things like that after this is uh, over or settled? I would imagine so. Uh, we're going to continue the design process if it's already been started. We're not going to do any new construction at all. Um, that's why I thought that the, the debate on the multipurpose special events center uh, uh, two weeks ago or a week ago mm -hmm. uh, was uh, 
was somewhat ludicrous. Uh, we're not doing anything. That thing's under litigation, and uh, until that's resolved, nothing can be done anyway. So, um, um, you know, we have, I think, people out there that like to politicize this particular pandemic. But unfortunately, we are not going to, we're not going to open the spray parks. We're not open, we're not completing it. We will complete construction, but we will start no new construction. And if something has been in a design phase from the quality of life project, we'll complete the design phase, but we will not start the construction. We will only do what we can do when we can do it and afford to do it appropriately. We just furloughed 450 people. We're not about to start spending money uh, in other areas. We're not going to, we're not uh, taking anything away from public safety. Um, Police and fire under are under collective bargaining agreements, and they uh, um, we can't uh, um, we're not uh, making any changes there at all. So my final question to you is twofold. First off, what advice would you give to business owners as they begin to reopen and really adjust to this new normal? And also, how can business owners help the city with our economic recovery? Not just, you know, making sure to practice social distancing, making sure to sanitize everybody's work area, but what more can they do to really help El Paso get back on its feet? You know, this whole thing is, uh, once everything is ended from the requirements, we have a vaccine, things are ended, even if they're uh, before the uh, vaccine is, 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 is obtained, Mm -hmm. um, it's it's going to be a process. It's not an event in the end. And that's been my whole point about uh, saying that, uh, yes, the governor can reopen us in name, but our economy is not going to be back to a normalcy at all. I think we're going to have to rebuild. And uh, I'm not sure what we're going to do, but that's why I put the task force together under the uh, chairmanship of Rick Francis, who's on the governor's strike force, to be able to uh, determine what do we need to do as a community, both from the business sector and from the, from the public sector to help us move along. The CARES Act's got to do certain things. That, and uh, where, where are we gonna need the support? My concern is that El Paso is a different economy. Not only are we tied, well, not, not only are we an international economy based on the maquilas and the work back and forth and the, some of the issues they're having over there related to supply chain. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we're primarily on this side, medium and small size businesses. Right. They seem to be impacted the most by this, this shutdown and this, this, this pandemic. Um, that's why I say the sooner we can get going, the better, but we're, we will ultimately control our own destiny. If we wear face coverings and avoid the gatherings and wash our hands frequently, We'll control our own future because we've got to control the spikes and the, and the, and the hospitalizations. I think that's such a great point, Mayor, that wearing your face coverings, staying safe, making sure that you wash your hands frequently, avoiding social gatherings is not just for the benefit of you as an individual and your family members. It really is for the benefit of the community because we have to have the whole community buy into what we are doing in terms of safety measures in order to really flatten the curve and to completely stomp the curve out in our community. True. 
So I'm going to go ahead and open it up to questions from the audience right now. We do have some questions that have come in via email and via the question and answer panel. So again, if you are tuning in with us via Zoom, go ahead and submit your questions via the question and answer panel at the bottom of your screen. If you're tuning in with us via Facebook Live, you can go ahead and submit your questions via the comment section and our communications director is standing by to go ahead and submit those questions to us. I do have an initial question for you that came in via email, Mayor, about the task force specifically. Um, asking if there's gonna be additional task force to tackle things like public education or for the K through 12 group, um, the prison community, and also the Fort Bliss community. Will there be separate task force created for those? Depends on what, uh Chairman Francis wants to do, but there, there's representation there with uh, um, Dr. Wilson and uh, and uh, Dr. Serrata and Dr. Lang from our uh, our institutions, our higher ed institutions and medical school, and then uh, the the school districts pretty much have to follow the the uh, the guidance of the state under Marath, who's been putting out their guidance recently. So our next question is about soccer and playing fields. And if you have any idea of when those are going to actually reopen. Governor's restrictions say no more than four people can play a sport right now. Mm -hmm. uh, that's his restrictions. Our parks are open to the extent of the walking trails and the paths and jogging paths, whatever. But the but the uh, playground equipment is is cordoned off and off limits. It the reason the parks are where they are is to avoid the gatherings, uh, the, the re restrictions on our parks to avoid the gatherings. Um, the county judge has told me he may shut down Ascarity on Sunday just to avoid the, the family gatherings that would occur because of Mother's Day and people not abiding by that social distancing and, and, and the avoidance of those types of gatherings. So, uh, but once the governor continues to open up, we'll open up, pending any problems in our, our health that's, that's spiking and creating concerns related to hospital capacities and ICU rooms and ventilators. So we have a question about employees and this question is, since none of our fatalities in El Paso have been under the age of 50, has there been any consideration to using age as a criteria for returning to work? Basically telling businesses that they can have all employees under 50 return to work, even if that exceeds the 25% limitation, um, but won't allow anyone over that age to return for now. Well, that's a good suggestion, but age is moot right now when the governor is limited to 25%. Remember, the governor is dictating what can be open. We can provide some limitations on top of that, but the governor dictates. And until he says, I was open on the 14th, that he might say, for instance, on restaurants, you can go to 50%. He might open bars, those kinds of things. Um, I don't know what he's going to do in the next uh, tranche or, what, or whatever he comes up with. Um, so, but it's, it's dictated, it's, it's out of our hands right now. We do not dictate what opens and what doesn't open. We merely can follow the guidelines of the governor and uh, he's been very restrictive that we can't uh, restrict anything that he has opened up in that regard. 
So we have another question that is coming in via Facebook asking about any word on reopening certain programs and colleges in the area that you can't do online. So EMT, firefighting programs, peace officer classes, those kinds of classes. Um, is there been any word about reopening those up for participants? Uh, as far as face-to-face, -face, I haven't heard anything. I know some of them. I, I, I read something from uh, the higher ed coordinating board said with, with, with technical schools and professional designations where you have to do hands-on, that you could do it, I think, as many as four in a closed area with social distancing. So the reliance there on what can be done would be from the higher education coordinating board or, yeah, higher ed. Okay, great information. Thank you, Mayor. We also have another question that came in via email. Has there been a rapid response team deployed to El Paso to mitigate our growing number of cases and support our hospitals? Um, and is this something that you would look at in anticipation of Mother's Day weekend? Well, we, we're controlling the rapid response if we need it. We've asked for the help from the state related to the National Guard. That's how we're going to have those five new testing uh, sites. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not aware of anything we're going to do differently than what we've been doing to date. Um, if we need more resources and, and uh, manpower, we'll, we will obtain that from, from the state either. Uh, right now we're doing on the, uh, on the contact tracing, when you have a positive and we, we do epidemiology verifications, we have a, we've gone from eight to 130 doing that. And that's primarily using Texas Tech medical students uh, assisting us in that investigation. So we'll ramp up anyway. UTEP is now being gear is, is uh, being ramped up to be able to do. I can't remember how many hundred tests per day. We're waiting for some uh, federal CDC approvals on that. And once that's done, the equipment's in. Uh, I got an email from Dr. Wilson this morning, and uh, they will be doing that have the capacity that they could do as much as a thousand a day eventually if that was required from a testing standpoint. So I think we're trying to do as much as we can marshaling our resources between using the you know, Texas Tech Paul Foster Medical School students, uh, UTEP. Uh, we're working on it. This is a, this is a collective effort uh, by all. So I do have another question that is coming in for you. Um, somebody was listening to KLAQ this morning and they wanted to know if they should expect to see you out incognito uh, inspecting businesses this weekend over Mother's Day weekend. I told Buzz we'd do a drive, we'd do a ride around if he wanted to. So he calls, and we'll see what we can do. I don't know if it'll be this weekend, but uh, I told him I'd be happy to go around with him. And we do have another question coming in about um, Mother's Day weekend. Is there going to be any sort of enforcement going on to try and stop social uh, gatherings? And what should people do if they hear their neighbors having a house party? You can report it to 311. Uh, we would hope people would, would, would be smart enough to realize the impact on others, not just themselves, by that gathering. Uh, the governor's put out a uh, directive today that there will be no incarceration for people who do those kinds of things, uh, nor would we have ever attempted to do that. We're not going to send the SWAT teams out. Uh, you know, you just, you just hope people are, you can report them 311. There'll be citations can be issued, but that's the extent. And we, you know, we hope there's as 
know, I've been saying before enough moral suasion to understand that this is this this impacts everyone. It's not just you and your family. It impacts everyone. We do have another question and a comment coming in from Roberto Coronado from the Dallas Federal Reserve Branch here in El Paso. He says, no doubt there is a difficult trade-off that you are making between public health and economic recovery. At the end of the day, the key is to instill public trust and economic confidence to employers, employees, and customers as El Paso opens for business. What are the city and county planning on doing to ensure that guidelines are being observed and followed? Um, and he hopes that we adopt a zero tolerance policy so that way then we can enforce these rules that we're putting in place. Well, we, we've got zero tolerance to the extent we can enforce it. The problem is the majority of what we have cannot be enforced other than through citations. Um, so it's, you know, you can argue, is there enough teeth? I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, only time will tell, but you hope we're seeing more and more people out wearing face coverings, which is critical. The thing for the businesses to understand is if people are fearful, they won't go to your business. They won't go to your retail place. They won't go to your restaurant if people are fearful. So that's, you know, you're, you're going to have, there's this balancing act between, um, you know, you, yes, you were open, but if people aren't comfortable by however you comport yourself or just the general gist of the society at large, you're going to have problems with it. And the economy is not going to uh, um, get back to any semblance of normal normalcy. Uh, it works both ways. We do have another question coming in. Um, a lot of the hotels have been very creative in what they've been doing in terms of renting out rooms for people to use as kind of a home office space and things like that. But we do have a question coming in about hotel pools and whether or not those are going to be allowed to open and function. I can't remember the specifics on the order related to pools. There was a, I don't have it before me, uh, but there was a, I think there was something about outdoor pools being different from indoor pools. And um, I cannot remember exactly what it said. I'd have to look up the, uh, the uh, directive. After today, we will, the judge and I will sign our directives and do a press conference this afternoon. Mm -hmm. The directives will be posted online. It'll just simply be an addendum to what we've already done. Go online at elpasostrong.org and look at it, or epstrong.org, either way it works, and look at it for the specifics on that. It's not a long document. We are getting a lot of questions about um, salons and barbershops being allowed to reopen. I know that you mentioned that tomorrow is actually the day that the governor has set, but what about people with chronic illnesses um, that are nervous to go back to work? What advice would you give them? Well, no one can be forced to go back to work. I mean, that's been given. If you're uncomfortable, you don't go back. Uh, it's got to be a personal choice. Uh, if you're uncomfortable that your employer has not provided the uh, spacing and the sanitary sanitizing that needs to be done, then then I don't blame you. But you know, it's a, it's got to be a personal choice on that in that regard. And I know that um, a lot of businesses, especially salons that are getting ready to reopen tomorrow, might have concerns about how they should reopen. So I do just want to take a moment to let you all know that we are working on a guide from the chamber for each specific industry, giving you details about how to safely reopen, some sanitizing things that you need to take into consideration, and also connecting you with some resources 
uh, some local businesses that can also help you with the cleaning and sanitizing of your workspaces and your offices. So that will be coming out from the chamber very soon. Well, the governor's directive does have some specifics related to uh, salons. It talks about one, one person per chair, I guess you'd say, mm -hmm. and the, the waiting room was proper social distancing and the, and the sanitizing. So. so we do have a question coming in asking about travel. So if you've traveled to other states, do you still need to quarantine for 14 days upon your return, or should you only be self-quarantining if you're going to hotspots? I'd say you self-quarantine if you've been to a hotspot, but the, uh, the, the orders removed that 100-mile uh, directive last week. That was in there. Uh, the judge had put that in there, but I thought the governor had said it, and frankly, the governor hadn't said that. The governor stopped, uh, and, and he, he had an issue with, with uh, a few states, and most specifically, he had an issue with uh, Louisiana. And the DPS was stopping people coming in from Louisiana, and that's not the case anymore. Mm -hmm. He stopped that. We also have another question related to travel if you are leaving El Paso. So how is the city making travel out of the El Paso International Airport safer and more sanitary? Well, they've set up the, the waiting areas and spread them out and there's ongoing daily frequent sanitizing and uh, those things. Um, I'm not concerned about that side of the airport. What I'm concerned about is the number of flights. I mean, they're down to almost 5% of capacity. Right. And uh, it's been a it's been a real drawback. Um, if you see pictures of people flying in airplanes, there's like in one case there was somebody on a Southwest flight the other day, one person. Um, so I mean that that the issues of people who are not traveling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean we've seen so much travel and so many flights be added to the El Paso International Airport that people have been asking for for a long time. And then this hit. So hopefully we can get every, we can start flattening the curve and start getting travel back up and running. Um, so we can start having those flights that everybody has been waiting for for so long taking place again. True. Um, we do have several questions asking about the situation in Juarez. So first of all, how concerned should we be about how bad the situation is in Juarez and how closely are you working with the mayor of Juarez? And of course, please send him our best our well wishes for his quick recovery because I understand that he has been diagnosed with COVID-19. So we hope that he will uh, be getting better very soon. Uh, yeah, I got the, the information last night about his uh, testing positive and I have a call with him this afternoon at two o'clock uh, to check on him, see what's going on. I understand it's asymptomatic, um, but the point is that anybody can get that. I have concerns over it in Juarez. I'm not, uh, but our uh, public health talks are there public health counterparts every day. Uh, but I still want to discourage people from going over this weekend for Mother's Day. Mm -hmm. It is just safer to stay here. So our next question comes from a business owner in El Paso. They have a platform that would really help um, concerned entities control the information that is getting out to individuals about COVID-19 and the um, steps that they're taking to make sure that their customers and clients are safe and in a sanitary environment. So they're asking how should they get that information to you? Should they go ahead and just contact the purchasing um, department directly? Well, depending on what it is, and I'm not sure I fully comprehend, but if it's a, if it's a software 
contact notification kind of thing, then yeah, that probably would go to purchasing. But if it's something more related to announcements and PIO type stuff, then I'd go to the, the go to the website and go to Laura Cruz Acosta who runs the PIO for the city. Great information. Thank you. We do have a question coming in about antibody testing, and that was a question that we had received a lot of emails about asking when antibody testing is going to be more widely available. And would you recommend that people that suspected they might have had COVID-19 go and get tested for these antibodies? You know, I can't make the medical recommendation on the last part of that. I think you need to talk to your physician to see whether that's required or, or would be appropriate. Um, as I say, we're starting the antibody testing for uh, uh, first responders and medical personnel first. And as that ramps up, we'll, we'll do more. I understand we're going to do, uh, they were telling me yesterday, the Abbott Laboratory test, the 15-minute test. We're going to be, uh, uh, I think that's going to be at the mobile test site facilities for people, especially the first responders and, the, and medical personnel who need to get back on, on, on the job to double-check where they are at that particular point. But I don't have any numbers to, to, uh, to tell you about the uh, antibody testing, the, the serum testing until um, um, I haven't been given that number uh, or, for, or when this will be open to everybody uh, yet. Uh, I can assure you as soon as we know or and it, that it is open, we'll, we'll announce it. We did have another question come in um, asking if you heard anything about Fort Bliss being able to reopen um, in the near future? No, we have some conversation with Fort Bliss. Fort Bliss is kind of running their own operation and they're taking care of their own COVID positives, et cetera, and their own quarantining. And, and uh, that's, that's under their purview. And, and we haven't, I haven't been informed one way or another. And I do have another question coming in about the David Carrasco job centers. Do you have any information about when that could possibly be reopening to people? I haven't heard anything other than, you know, look at the, the general directives that come out of the governor's office that we, that the judge and I will adhere to. Um, it does, I said at the beginning, it did say you could open up to 25% in on the, uh, on the uh, 18th. Um, various organizations. Uh, if the Job Corps, I don't know whether the Job Corps is falling under the, the, the school side or, or what, I, I just don't have a definitive answer for you on that. Um, and then we do have a comment coming in from DeMarco Wren who would like to say, Mayor DeMarco, you are awesome and he thanks you for everything that you do um, for the city as well. Thank you. And then we have a question coming in about Region 19. Um, are you involved in Region 19 and working with the school districts on a plan for the schools to reopen? I know that uh, there's been some discussion about allowing some of the graduation ceremonies to pick back up again. Are you working with the K through 12 education system on reopening and, and what that would look like for them? We haven't really been approached on that except for talking about this coming fall and, and the schools being built and where they are. The, the only thing we've had that I've been involved with has been some preliminary plans on how do you do graduation and then uh, uh, Commissioner Morath put out some directives this week when the governor did on what can and can't be done. So that's pretty much been determined at the, at the state level through the Commissioner of Education. Um, and then we do have another question coming in asking, 
What is keeping you up at night? What is your biggest fear for El Paso heading into the future right now? Oh, as I alluded to at the beginning, the balancing act between our physical health and our financial health. That's the, that's the ongoing dilemma. That's my concern. At what point in time, one superseding the other. And I think that a lot of, of leaders and a lot of people, especially business leaders in this community can share that concern, um, balancing, you know, making sure that their employees are safe, but also the need to reopen and, and start generating income for their business owners. Um, and you already mentioned this, but um, we do have a question coming in about whether or not the school districts are included on the economic recovery task force. Well, I have, we have regular meetings with uh, superintendents. In fact, I have a regular meeting with EPISD on uh, what their needs are. We, the issue, we, the, the selection of the members of the economic recovery task force was based on referrals from the Hispanic Chamber, the El Paso Chamber, Borderplex, uh, financial institutions, and others. And that's where we took it from. Um, the schools will all be included, and I'm not concerned about whether they have a direct representation on that. And they, anybody can provide input to the, uh, to, uh, to the recovery task force by sending whatever thoughts they have on, uh, on what should be done and how it should be done to uh, Chairman Rick Francis. And we will be providing, I mean, and you can also send any comments or questions that you have to Cindy Ramos Davidson, our CEO, and she can take those to the task force and send those to Rick as well, since she is serving on that. We do have another question coming in about um, the metrics that you and the judge are using to determine whether or not we need to start closing things down again or start opening things up more broadly before the governor makes his announcement. So is it just limited to new cases and hospitalizations or is it just focused on ICU patients or some other measure? Well, the, the measures we look at are hospitalizations, ICU capacity and uh, ventilators. Those are the measures. We're gonna have more positives just because we're gonna be doing more testing. That's just a given. Uh, so we'll look at those, those trends related to that. But again, the judge and I really can't do much more than whatever the governor allows us to do, period. Uh, there are some ways to restrict certain things, but, but we're very limited in that. And his order so stipulates. You can't do anything locally that he doesn't agree to. And he dictates that. So uh, uh, while, for instance, the only real difference, he has, he has never mandated face coverings. The governor's orders have never mandated face coverings. They've encouraged we went ahead and said we want a mandate, even though it's a basically an unenforceable mandate. But that's really about the extent of what we can or can't do. The governor controls how much of our economy is open or shut down, as the case may be. And we have another question coming in in regards to that and antibody testing. So as antibody testing is more readily available for people in El Paso, Will that determine um, if we need to close down some more or how will that impact some of the directives that we have coming out? I got to rely on the medical experts. I don't know. I don't know what the impact would be. It, it, to me, it's no different than if you're positive. If the antibody testing says you're either you had it and you don't have it now or you have it or it's come back or, or you, know, you, don't, you don't have antibodies for it. Or, but I just don't. I don't. I am not well versed enough in the particulars to the to uh, to give a definitive 
correct answer and, and I really don't want to shoot from the hip. No, and I appreciate that that candor, Mayor Margo. I think um, whenever there's a, a pandemic or, or something along those lines, you see a lot of uh, new medical experts popping up um, who think that they might know the correct answer to everything. So I appreciate you uh, deferring that question to, to the medical professionals in our community. Um, we do have a question coming in about people going back to work if they are uncomfortable, asking um, if they do not feel comfortable returning to work, is there any protection from them from getting fired? Yeah, it's built into the, to the, to the uh, directives that you cannot be terminated for, for that concern. So that is all of the questions that we have coming in through email and Facebook at this time. If you have any additional questions for the mayor, please submit them either via the comment section or you can go ahead and submit via the question and answer panel section. I do see some more questions coming in right now. Um, just asking about what is your best advice for businesses during this weekend and in the following week after Mother's Day? I think a lot of our businesses are concerned that they do want to open but they are concerned about people not following um, specific orders over Mother's Day. You know, I, I do think businesses, if they don't want to serve someone who's not wearing face coverings, has that op has that right and privilege. Um, we got a lot of confusion. I was getting from from people in the restaurant industry. Well, how are people going to eat with the mask on? We don't put your mask on. You walk in, you wear it outside, you come in, you sit down, and, and the way the restaurants are, are being told, no more than six at a table, six foot spacing. Outdoor gives more capacity. The governor re reiterated that this week. Um, those are the kind of things that, uh, uh, you know, are observed in common sense. But, but retail establishments, when someone comes in and they're not wearing face coverings, if you're uncomfortable and, and you don't want your your employees are uncomfortable you should not serve that person they need to go get face covering and uh, so it, it just you know it depends I don't have any uh, the only panacea I can 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 allude to is is the basics wearing face coverings uh, washing your hands avoiding the large gatherings those kind of things that's all I can allude to well, I want to thank you so much, Mayor, for being with us today. And we do have a comment coming in from our CEO, Cindy Ramos-Davidson, just thanking you for your leadership um, and your strength during this really difficult time. El Paso has been through a lot in the uh, past few in the past few months, really, and uh, your leadership throughout all of these crises has really been what has helped to get us through this. And she just wants to thank you for your leadership um, and guidance during this really difficult time for El Paso. Well, I appreciate that, Cindy. It's very kind. Uh, you know, it was interesting the other day I had an AP reporter call me wanting to know about the application and origins of El Paso Strong and, and what it meant to me and where, where it came from. And most of the time that came after our, what I call my second crisis was the, uh, the shooting on August the 3rd. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we're, we're an exceptionally resilient community and culture. I mean, we've been here for over 350 years as a region. And we are one region. I mean, we've seen wars and revolutions and everything else, and we've, we've survived it. We're, there's a different, there's a different, we're different, and we're different in a more positive way than I think people fully understand. And there's a real strength of character here, and, 
and with our culture and our multi-generational, and we are the world's largest bilingual, binational, uh, bilingual culture anywhere in the Western Hemisphere. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we are El Paso strong, and we will remain that way, um, given our nature. Thank you so much, Mayor, for joining us. And thank you for everything that you are doing and all of your hard work and uh, also County Judge Ricardo Samaniego's hard work in bringing all of these entities together. Um, I think the biggest takeaway from this conversation is it is not just about protecting you and your family. It's about protecting our community and working together to be El Paso strong and to get our economy and our community back up and running even better than we were before. So thank you again so much, Mayor Margo, for taking some time out of your day. I'm sure that you're incredibly busy and I would just leave this by encouraging everybody to make sure to practice social distancing, protect yourself and protect the community that we call home. Amen. Thank you so much, Mayor Margo. All right, and that's it for this episode of Sharing Sweat Equity. Again, a big thank you to Mayor D. Margo for taking some time out of his day to talk with us and our listeners. And of course, a thank you to our partners, Sun Carpets and Epicenter. And we also want to remind you to make sure to subscribe to Sharing Sweat Equity so you never miss a new episode. Thank you, everybody.